Welcome to the Tech Ranch. Now, here is your host, the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. Some of the ones I wanted to talk about, I was reading through this and th there's, Marlo, you mentioned during the break a little bit, we we're talking about Apple chargers and that kind of dovetails into one of the articles. So let's talk about the chargers first. <laughs> so the European Union has come out with a dictate that concerns Apple and there's a little dark side to this that you brought up, and we'll get into that. But on the surface, this should make a lot of Apple users happy. One of the big headaches with Apple, my wife's an Apple user, I'm not, but every time she gets a new phone, she's got to get a new charging right. cord or because they change it with every phone. And you could maybe say the same with Android, too. Maybe not as often. USB-C has been around for a couple years now. Yeah, once I switch to C, I'm... Right. Sticking with C. It, that's it. If you can stream video through it so you can hook it up to your television, it's like an HDMI in that regard. It's very universal. So the European Union has stated that by 2024, all smartphones and all tablets have to use USB-C. There is no other exception. And we've heard rumblings of that taking you place in the United States, yeah. it, that it was coming. So now that the European Union's done it, I'm guessing it's going to come a little quicker in the United States. It will be interesting to see if this comes about. And it could be the one caveat that we were just talking about where... Because that's the one of my box checkoffs when I'm looking for a new device is, does it have C? Right. But a lot of people don't think about it until you bring it home and you're like, yeah, oh my goodness, it's got another different, different one. The challenge that I have with this, now I like this because I'm same way as everybody else. I hate carrying all the different chargers. The downside to this, of course, is innovation. And the European Union is dictating that you use USB-C and they're saying in 2024 for tablets and for phones and 2020 by 2026 for laptops. So they're projecting four years into the future now. I don't know of any USB cord that has lasted four years because there's usually the next iteration of things. So one would have to think that that they're going to continue to get better. So does you this stifle innovation because all of a sudden now the European Union, Union is not going to be using anything but USB-C for the foreseeable future? What happens when you take away that innovation piece and take it out of the private sector because you're subsidizing it or you're mandating it right. and that takes away the private sector's ability, inspiration to innovate? You've taken that out. Yep. So I don't know. On one side, I'm 50-50 on this because I'm going to love, if the United States were to do this too, hey, Marlo, my phone is dead. Can I borrow your cord? Sometimes I don't have the right cord with me. Well, I usually do because I have a whole gadget bag I carry with me. I, I have it right here. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah, we didn't go down our usual rabbit hole. We were talking about production of products coming back to the United States. Uh, chips and such. And chips and such. Of course, the chip shortage really brought this to light. I just seen video of i think ford had rented out one of the racetracks to store their vehicles on because they're waiting for chips it's two billion dollars worth of pickup trucks sitting there waiting for chips to be delivered so gm had actually started sending out vehicles without all the chips i ran into a guy back in august that had a brand new yukon and it didn't have the air-conditioned seats it didn't have this it didn't have this it didn't have this so they're shipping them out. They're like, and then take they're, it, we're going to deduct that off the cost of the vehicle, 
And then when that chip is available, you'll get a recall notice and come in and we'll put it wow. in for free. So, okay. in, so Intel is building a $20 billion computer chip facility in Ohio. And this thing is huge. Now, I'm just looking it up for the second time here because I know that you and I talked about this a while back. It's a thousand acre site. Just east of Columbus, expected it's to like create 3,000 company <laughs> jobs and 7,000 construction jobs. Support tens of thousands of additional jobs for supplier and partners. This is going to significantly impact Ohio and Columbus, but $20 billion going into this chip manufacturing facility coming to the United States by Intel. Well, if you think about it, what do you need to make chips? Huh. When I first heard of that, it was like, why would you put chips in the Rust Belt? But then think of where the chips are going. So the auto industry, of course, huge right. in Ohio, right. Michigan's right there, right. Indiana, Illinois, it, yep. they're there. So that piece of it. But you need energy, a lot of it, to make chips. And you've got the Marcellus Shale play right there. And then you need water. And you've got Lake Erie yep. right there. It makes a lot of sense that, to locate in that area. It's quite the deal. They announced this in January of this year, coming online at the end of 2025. So they're going to build this thing in two and a half years. So my question, million. though, is because of what's going on in China, we just discussed that a little bit. And where are we at with the elements that it takes to make a chip? So all the rare earth elements that go into a yeah, but chip. Computer chips aren't battery. really. It's all the other stuff around them. Yeah, that's the biggest it, deal. It stuff. is mostly silica, but it's about getting those resources. Right. Because that's a massive plant. There's no shortage of rare earth elements in the United States. North Dakota itself has a significant deposit of rare earth. Montana and South Dakota already have mines in existence, and I, I just think it's a matter of time before you start seeing it. Well, a lot of the high-end chips are made in Taiwan, right? when that's a vulnerable part of the world. Intel's number two semiconductor manufacturer globally, $73.1 billion in revenue last year. Behind South Korea's world leader, Samsung Electronics, was $76 billion. So I would imagine after this manufacturer or this facility goes into place, that'll probably bump Intel to the, be the number one semiconductor manufacturer in the world. But at the same time, AI is creating a world where a lot of workers might be superfluous. So how is that all going to play out over the long run? And, and is AI going to enable... The fellow who ran Google wrote the book with Kissinger about AI. He sees AI as everyone's personal assistant, really. I see it that way, too, actually. Yeah, he wrote The Age of AI and Her Future, of uh, Eric Schmidt. But who's going to have access to that? How democratized is it going to be that everyone has AI and can do their jobs? Or is this really for an elite class or a professional class and everybody gets left behind? As well, well as the biotechnology, people will be able to increase intelligence and all sorts of things. I, Elon Musk, Tesla, over the last couple of days, did you see the robot? Yeah. So the robot is, uh, this year was on its own power. Last year they had somebody dressed up in the robot. This year <laughs> it actually walked out on the stage by itself and waved at the crowd and things. Humanoid looks Sky very hat. much like iRobot. I just could not believe when I looked at that robot, and I was just thinking that right away. But Which is better know, than Terminator. Better than Terminator. Yeah. But to your point, I do believe everybody's going to have their own AI. You're going to have this artificial intelligence that's your assistant. We already and do with the smartphone. We do, right. but it's going to get it's going to get better and better. Where this person's right. going to make your 
doctor's appointments for you, then I, I wonder if it's going to be something like Lyft and Uber where you can get gig type of jobs, right? So your robot then will go to work for you, right? And able to get these jobs. And then if you're a person with means, you have the ability to have better robots. And this is where I think the divide will come in where, you know, you're going to have people who are still working manually that you and I are out there flipping burgers or whatever it is. But the person with means has their robot going to flip burgers for them instead. Thank you for listening to The Tech Ranch with the guru of geek, Marlo Anderson. This has been a Q1 Network production.